0: And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. Jeff Nowak, Steve Geller. But Steve's going to take a break. He's going to go get a cup of coffee. And I'm going to bring in Charlie Long, our what I would consider to be one of our greatest untapped resources. <laughs> like He's always got really interesting insight and, and, and notes and stats. Um, and uh, I feel like we don't talk to him enough. So I'm glad I was able to catch up with him on the Saints Hour last night, filled in for Mike Haas. And we kind of broke down the Saints road to the playoffs, you know, what they have left, what the NFC is looking like, kind of what we got into in the last segment toward the end. And then we also kind of went into some some dark horse players for the final three games and who who you're looking at, who could and who could step up that maybe not a lot of people are talking about. Um, and so we get into that. And uh, here it is. A few things I want to talk about here, you know, I think there's some few things we can get into. I know Charlie we were talking before I came on about man, the NFC standings. They are I want to say they're a mess, but they're actually very very condensed. They're very simple to look at. There's a lot of 7 and 7 teams. You got 7 and 7, uh 6 and 8, 5 and 9. There's a whole pack of teams right now. There's going to be at least three playoff teams among them, and the best record of that group is 7 and 7.
1: So, let me actually get the number on this and so I have it perfect because out of the 16 teams in the NFC, there are currently seven of them that are either seven and seven or six and eight. Five of them are seven and seven. Yep. So as you said, very condensed in the middle of the pack. Uh, which, if you do the math on that, and give me just a second, is 43% of the teams in the NFC are currently right da- <laughs> uh, smack dab in the middle, seven and seven or six and eight guys. So you're looking at the Bucks leading the way at the four seed right now because they're leading the NFC South. And we'll go over all these schedules as well because I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of look at which of these teams are going to be moving up and down the ladder, so to speak. The Vikings are 7-7. Seven and seven, The Rams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Those are those three teams in those three playoff spots, as you were mentioning, Jeff. And then there are four teams that are kind of in the hunt still. These, I'm not really counting Chicago and... and um, I think the Giants are both right. five and nine. I Mathematically,
0: think they're, they're still alive. But when you see that many teams at seven and seven, exactly. it's like virtually impossible. Even if they did get to, eight it's
1: like a one percent chance for one of those teams right. to potentially sneak in. So I'm not really counting them. We got uh, currently sitting outside of the playoff picture, but still in the hunt. The Seahawks at seven and seven, the Saints at seven and seven, the Falcons and the Packers both at six and eight. So Jeff, we kind of talked about this segment how we wanted to do it. I wanted to look at these schedules for the final three weeks for yeah. all of these teams, all seven of these teams. You're looking at the Bucks; they go, uh, they actually come home for back-to-back games against the eight and six Jacksonville Jaguars. Then the seven and seven Saints, obviously next week, and then they uh, wrap up the season at Carolina, two and twelve. You and I were both talking about it. You can't really expect Carolina to do it twice. It was a miracle <laughs> yeah. last week that they beat, you know, Atlanta. Yeah, I think you're looking at. You know Tampa Bay feeling pretty good about this schedule.
0: Yeah, and I think that Jags game is really the only chance you have left to to kind of plug a loss on them. Right? I mean, anyone can stumble and lose a game, but I think you got the you got the gift from the Panthers Correct. that you can expect to get the Christmas gift of the what was it nine to seven win yes. over the Falcons and Desmond Ritter has, was a big part of that. You know, and uh, yeah, that's a, that, see that's like when the Saints played the Panthers last week. And I was like, this is an iceberg. And if you hit it, bad things happen. And the Saints steered around it. The Falcons,
1: the Falcons they ran right went into right, right into it. I mean, and that, that interception that Ritter threw and oh. then it was followed up by, you know, a 90-yard drive that ended up yeah. finishing the game on a game-winning chip-shot field goal for the Panthers. I mean, that was as ugly as it gets. But Carolina gave the Saints a gift. Yes. And now the Falcons are definitely on the outside Six looking and eight.
0: in. Yeah, they still have a chance, right, because they have the head-to-head game against the Saints. So if but they can't stumble they, they can't they can't they, stumble they can, but they can can do have the loss. ability to hand the saints another loss which means that if for example the Jag- the jaguars do beat the bucks and the falcons can get to 9 and 8 you're kind of looking at that as okay, they're going to win the tiebreaker against the Saints, so it could still come down to that Week 18 game.
1: Yeah, the, you're feeling confident that Tampa Bay at least reaches eight wins because yeah. of that Carolina game. Now, what happens? The question mark is Jacksonville and New Orleans. If they stumble to Jacksonville, then the Saints have the potential to seal the NFC South if they beat both L.A. and then win in Week 17 against uh, the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, we got the six seeded Vikings, seven and seven. They are in trouble. They are in deep trouble because (laughs) that 14-point lead that they blew against Cincinnati, I mean, they have the tiebreaker over the Saints. They won that game head-to-head, but they played Detroit twice in these final three games. And Detroit, we're just seeing what they did to Denver just this past weekend. Uh, But in between those games, they also have Green Bay. I think Green Bay is in a similar spot as the Falcons where they need to win out, get to a 9-8 record, and potentially have a shot to make the playoffs Uh, just because there's so many teams that you expect to finish with nine wins.
0: Yeah, and the the Saints, you know, they did themselves no favors in terms of They're not going to win a lot of tiebreakers. Like a lot of the teams that they're like, they lost to the entire NFC North, right? Like that's these are teams that are factors in that. The I mean, the Lions are you know they they have a tough closing schedule too. But I mean, the Vikings, the Packers, they're in this conversation. The game that I didn't think about it while it was going on because last night I was rooting for the Seahawks to come back and you know for Drew Locke to get that game-winning drive. Then afterwards I thought about it and I was like, man. The Saints would have been much better off with the Seahawks losing that game. Yeah. Because it's just another team. And you look at it and like, so if the Saints can't win the NFC South, you know, and that's that's a, the most straightforward road. If I'm the Saints, I'm not even considering a wild card. But in the interest of this discussion, if you do end up not winning the NFC South and looking at it and saying, how do you get into the playoffs as a wild card? Well, you're four and five in the NFC. And if you lose another game, you're, you're going to end up at
1: best, what? Six and six in the NFC, right? I, I want to say that a win against, and, and I mean, the guys were talking with Scott Chanley about this in the last hour, but if, I think a win against LA skyrockets their chances at, if you don't oh, win the South, right, right. you're. You have to You're win going that game. to be a wild card team. In terms of the wild card, this is
0: a must-win game. Yeah, if I you agree. lose this game, you are not winning the wild card. So let's look at the Rams' schedule. They're the
1: seventeen. Well, wait, right wait,
0: well, I just want to. So I just want to close that off. So the Seahawks schedule. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Their right. closing schedule. So
1: you want to look at that first?
0: Yeah. Just because that what I'm saying is like you really wanted the Seahawks to lose to the Eagles because you look at their closing schedule and it's tough to see a loss in that where they maybe go to the Pittsburgh, Titans,
1: maybe Pittsburgh, maybe like five and nine Pittsburgh, maybe Tennessee, seven and seven Pittsburgh. But that's in the Arizona. In Seattle,
0: right. and then Arizona. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that should feel like it's got a good chance to finish 10-7. and seven. It's the Seahawks. The and- issue
1: with the Seahawks is that their closing schedule is easy because they already played the tough part of their schedule. They had right. a, like a brutal five-week stretch, which is – I mean, they lost a lot of those games. That's why they're in this position. Yeah. They started out the year well. They beat the teams they are supposed to beat. Beating Philadelphia – I don't want to say it books them a playoff spot, but it makes them a lot more likely to be one of those wildcard squads. Well,
0: and so like here's the thing. If they lose to the Steelers and win their other two games, they're going to be 7-5 and five in conference. So that's not helpful to the Saints because if, for that to come into play, for the wildcard to come into play for the Saints, they're going to have to lose a game. So the best they can get to is 9-8. and eight. So if the Seahawks win those three games, it guarantees them a spot. So I just think that was actually a big loss or a big result. It, as a negative for the Saints, that I, yeah. in real time I was like, "Oh man, I'm, this is fun." In
1: us. Yeah. Oh man. So looking at the Rams schedule, though, once again, this game is huge because after that, the Rams go to New York. We just saw what New York, the product that they put on the field. I think the Rams would definitely be favored in that game, and then they wrap up the season at San Francisco. But if you're San Francisco and you're seeing, I mean, you already own the tiebreaker over Philly or Dallas which are really the only two teams that are competing for maybe that one seed with you, if you're San Francisco, I mean, are you resting starters in Week 18? So that, I, I, don't want, I don't want to say that that game would be an automatic loss, so to speak, just because it's San Francisco. San Francisco is the best team in the NFC, but looking at that schedule for the Rams, it's a manageable schedule for them as well. So if, I, I mean, on the Rams side of things, they're thinking the same thing. If we can win this game against the Saints, you're looking at a pretty uh, a manageable game, at least, against the Giants, and potentially a, a San Francisco team resting their starters, that's a play spot that could be booked for them as well.
0: I agree with that. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just, you know, if you're the Saints, you don't again, like I said, you don't want to be looking at this and saying, how can we get in as a wild card? Because this is your division to win.
1: Oh, yeah. Win, win three straight and you, you got the South handed to you. But it's
0: got to be like this, like when you say like this week, this Thursday night game is huge. It's a must win. It is. Oh, yeah. Like, it's easy to look at those final two games against the division opponents and say, well, those are the important games, but they're not. Like because if you don't win this game, then you lose all of the ability to control where you go and you're you're stuck sitting there on Christmas Eve, you know, yelling Duval. Yeah, <laughs> because you desperately need a Jaguars win. And, you know, that's I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is gonna play in that game. He's dealing with a concussion. We've seen, you know, Derek Carr obviously got through the concussion protocol in one week, but it's not a guarantee.
1: And so if you're talking CJ Bethard in that game, uh, advantage bucks, right? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, we've seen Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he did it to, uh, to to the Saints. I mean, when he was kind of not 100% with a leg injury, he comes back. Concussion protocol, I understand, yeah. is different. Right. But at the same time, I, I think I would be hopeful that Trevor Lawrence would be playing in that game. The line keeps kind of shifting, and it's, it's saying that they aren't, they're uncertain because obviously not much has come out about it. It's pretty kept, it's kept close to vest, so to speak. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you got to be big Jacksonville fans this upcoming weekend.
0: And what what I'll say about that is too, is you look at it and you say, well, the Jags don't have any wiggle room whatsoever either. Yeah. So if it's like, you know, if there is a thing where you kind of push it and you stretch it out to the weekend because you desperately need – they've lost three straight. They are in a three-way tie at 8-6. and With the the Texans and the Colts. Yeah, in the AFC South. And so, like, that's a huge game for them. So they're going to be motivated. It's not like they – like, you're talking about the 49ers, the final four weeks of the season. Who knows what kind of team you get. If you're pretty much locked into the top Correct. seed and you've already clinched the division, but the Jaguars are nowhere near that. They're going to go. It's a it's a kind of an in-state rivalry. It's kind of like a college rivalry, right? It's the state of Florida fighting itself. Um, so that's yeah. going to be a
1: game. So ultimately, like I, I, think our points in this entire thing three and zero, you win the South, you're in as the four seed. Two and one, there's still a chance that you could win the South if things kind of shake out your way, so to speak. Like if you go two and one. Uh, and you win the next two games and you lose to Atlanta in the final week of the season, but you have Tampa Bay lose to Jacksonville, or I guess even Carolina in this scenario, then you still win the South because you get that win over Tampa Bay, and that's the biggest one of the season. So, I mean, two and one either gets you potentially the South, potentially a wild card berth, three and zero books your, wild, your your NFC South appearance in your four seed and the NFC playoff pitcher. So, okay.
0: yeah, and, and, I, and I mean, if you're a Saints fan and you're like, hey, you got a playoff game on Thursday, right? Like, that's how you should look Every at it. Every
1: single one of these games is a playoff game.
0: You know, one, one other thing I'll throw your way, and I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while, and it drives me nuts. Cause so geographically, right, we can all agree that Dallas is in the south. Dallas is a southern team, right? Yeah. And we could probably say that the Panthers are an eastern team, right? Like, we could say that. You could say the Falcons okay. are even an eastern team. You could team. say that, but uh, but the Falcons I mean, are, you know, yeah, that's Georgia. It's a little further south, right? Right, right. So if you were looking at this geographically and saying, where should
1: the Cowboys be? Right? Shouldn't it be the, the the NFC South? It's kind of like the NBA and how like they have all the Texas teams right. they're like cluttered together with Memphis and New Orleans. But and
0: then the only reason I bring this up is because you look at the NFC standings and if if you just did what geographically made sense and you had the Cowboys in the South and the Panthers in the in the in the East, then you would have an incredibly balanced set. You would have a ten win team in every division and you wouldn't have a. Instead, a, the
1: East is a dogfight. Yeah,
0: instead the East is a dogfight, and then you have the South with you know a bunch of uh, five hundred teams in it.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. But I mean, just looking at it, just to sum up all this rambling that we've just done yeah. about the NFC teams that are just middle of the pack right now, seven and seven or six and eight. The Saints, you win out, you book that NFC uh, South spot. You're the four seed in the playoff pitcher. But if you go two and one, you still have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs as a wild card team.
0: It's a mess, and the Saints are right there in the middle of it. I can't. I would. I couldn't be happier. Oh, the NFL, right, I mean, right the NFL now. loves this stuff. But all <laughs> it's, right, it's this, great. This is the Saints Hour on the New Orleans Saints Radio Network. I'm Jeff Noack, alongside Charlie Long. We're going to come back and talk about some dark horses who could impact the final three games. Stick around. We're talking Saints football as the black and gold get ready for a Thursday night football battle with the Rams. Out in LA. Thanks for joining. Myself, Jeff Nowak, filling in for Mike Haas here on the Saints Hour. Also got Charlie Long behind the glass at Master Controls and the New Orleans Saints. Radio network. Ben. I do want to talk about some. You know, we t- we spent a lot of time talking about the usual suspects. We talk about Derek Carr. We talk about Chris Olave. We talk about Alvin Kamara. But I want to talk about this last segment. Just some some dark horse players that I think could play a pretty significant role in the final three games. And just to kind of call out some names because this is the time of year where you know you're a young player. You're not a rookie anymore, right? You, you you've got a much bigger Workload, you've got a lot more trust in you than you might have had in weeks five, six, 10, even. Um, and so, so Charlie, is there anyone that sticks out to you? I know who I'm mine up. But is there anyone who sticks out to you in that kind of frame, either on offense or defense? Uh, yeah, if we're
1: kind of going for the dark horses, so to speak, like kind of the underdog names, I, I think last week's performance by the offensive line was fantastic, and specifically, you can highlight Landon Young. I mean, Ryan Ramchek, and we've talked about this uh, on the show multiple times. That you know, it feels like every week he's kind of on the injury report because he's getting yeah. rest days, he's he's dealing with some some knee issues and stuff like that, but he's played through it. A Lot of the time, and the fact that he missed that game against the Giants, I think, surprised a lot of people. But Landon Young stepped in and he played a great game against a really good Giants defensive front that we had highlighted all the entire week pr- prior, talking about like Dexter Lawrence and Ojalari and just some of the guys that they had up front that can really wreck games if you let them. But the offensive line was fantastic. The one kind of sack that Derek Carr had was a uh, uh, running back yeah. pr- protection breakdown, so to speak. Um, so Landon Young. If Ryan Ramchick is not allowed to go this upcoming week on a short week against, you know, the Rams, which I think we kind of both anticipate that happening, uh, just given what we've seen from so far, the injury report, where both the first two days, I mean, they haven't had a practice, they had a walkthrough and then a projection on Monday. He was listed as a DNP in both of them. So, you know, we'll see ultimately tomorrow what happens, like if he practices in a limited capacity, that's a good sign. But even if he can't go, I thought Landon Young was great and I'd expect him to have another nice game against the Rams.
0: Yeah, and I have a little concern about Ryan long term because he's not really dealing with an injury. That's the my understanding of what he's dealing with is it's kind of just a bulky knee. But I do agree with you 100%. I got the chance to catch up with Landon Young in the locker room after the game. And one thing that I've been impressed with, not only was he able to step in at right tackle, if you go back a few weeks ago, Andres Pico's out of the game, and he's in there at left tackle. And, you know, so that ability to, to jump across the line, that is very, very helpful. It's the reason James Hurst has been here, because he's yeah. has that ability, and I— I asked Landon if he has leaned on James, and he has. Like James gives him, he think he calls it tips and tails. He's got that kind of Kentucky slang yeah, going yeah, on, yeah. Uh, kind of giving him that, the, you know. He's a very useful guy to lean on because it is difficult. You ask any lineman, going from right to left is not an easy thing to do. And for him to be able to do that and have that ability in the middle of the week, he didn't find out he was going to start until Saturday. Right. So to have that kind of ability to get those reps and to just pick it up, I think that's – you know, he's not your first choice, right, obviously. But to have a guy that you
1: trust is, is very valuable. It's quality depth. I mean that's what yep. you need, and specifically on the offensive line, the most injured position in football. Like you need good quality depth, and Landon Young, I think, provided that, and he proved that he could do that in that game against the Giants. I so agree with you. Who you got, Jeff?
0: I got Mister A.T. Perry, Atorian Perry, the big man. You know who's been playing big time. He's been you've been going to him in big moments, and if you the last three weeks in particular. You know, you you went to him on a third and long. I think it was third and seventeen in the game against the Lions. You went you went to him for a for a shot play against the Panthers. It was forty four yards. You went to him again third in third and sixteen. He converted on that against uh, who'd they just beat the Giants. And then you know you went to him in the end zone and he forced a pass interference. And so to me, that trust is building between he and Derek Carr. And you know you can kind of work past that weird thing that happened in the Falcons game where he kind of thought he false started and forgot to run the route or whatever. Uh, but I asked Eric Carr about that today, and I thought his answer was good.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely trust him. You know, uh, I can promise you it throughout my career, if if I throw the ball in your direction, especially in some critical moments, then you know I trust you. And you, you, and they've earned that. You know, and A.T. is someone that has earned that. He's he's earned those opportunities. He, he continues to make plays for us. Uh, you know, down the field, situationally, um, you know, the one in the red zone, you know, he's about to go up and, you know, I think catch it. You know, uh, being positive, <laughs> and he gets a PI, great first down. Uh, you know, so to so to call on his number and for coaches to have him in certain spots for hey, just in case this ball may be going to you or this may be going to you, um, that says a lot too. Yeah, uh, you know, even if the ball doesn't go there, he could be the primary and they could take it away. So. Uh, he's earned that right, and uh, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about his future uh, because throwing to a guy that big and that strong and that physical uh, is always fun for a quarterback.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about a team that doesn't have Mike Thomas right now. You're talking about a team that you know it, be, it does seem like Chris Olave is trending in the right direction to play on Thursday, but who, he's probably going to be on a pitch count, right? Rashid Shahid is still coming off that injury. I think he was on a bit of a pitch count last week, and so I think he'll still continue to see his role in, in, in increase. But you know, At is a guy who is a X factor in very specific ways, in that. You you can't guard six five in certain in certain areas like you can just put it up and let him go get it. And that's that's just, the Jimmy Graham effect. Right? Exactly, exactly. And just if you trust that guy and you can go to him in third and sixteen, you can just put it somewhere he can go get it and he can make a play for you. And you trust him to do that. That's huge. So over these final three weeks, I have I have high hopes for him in big moments to step up.
1: Yeah, another kind of depth piece that you're hoping can step up with increased reps. I mean, they're going to ask him to play more reps while Michael Thomas is on the IR. Uh, and as you say, Chris Olave kind of up in the air about his availability, kind of the same thing. Rash- Rashid played, but, you know, he was on a pitch count. I don't think it's going to increase that much this upcoming week. So I agree with you, Jeff. I think that A.T. Perry is definitely one to watch.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, these games are going to be fun. It's a playoff atmosphere. and uh, Every
1: single one of these games is a playoff game for the Saints. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: All uh, right, good stuff from Charlie Long and that other guy. Uh as always, like like you said, you know, one of the players that, that I'm excited to see and I've been excited about the last few weeks in terms of how he's come along, you know, AT Perry didn't get on the field until what, week nine, week ten. And he didn't get his first NFL catch until week ten against the Vikings, right? And I just think he's a guy who, you know, you, you weren't sure what you were gonna get about or you were gonna get from, you know, in the early on in camp. I wasn't sure if he was gonna make the roster, right? Like he was very inconsistent. Um his hands weren't there. like he he dropped way too many balls, and I think he's just a guy who's gotten better and better and better. And you know, it's not easy to convert third and sixteen, third and seventeen, but <laughs> when you do, when you can make those plays, like yeah, you know, i don't I don't know there's value, there's percentage values on plays, right? And the ability when you when a team gets you in third and sixteen, They are off the field. They can, they like they they have won that possession, and then and you you that's basically a turnover for the defense when they can't get you to punt or kick a field goal when they get third and thirteen or longer. And two of the last three weeks, the Saints have been able to convert on. I think it was a third and sixteen and a third and seventeen, throwing to A. T. Perry. And so, you know, like that's just the ability to just trust that guy. And throw it where he can go get it. I think that that's a big difference in this offense, and particularly when you don't have Michael Thomas. Um, exactly so, right. Yeah, that, that's- yeah we,
1: kind of, we kind of thought of him. I, I feel like as the the baby Michael Thomas coming into this season, if someone that uh, if if things went wrong, could end up being that guy to make those contested catches with his frame and everything. And uh, right now, yeah, I, I think he's been having a solid rookie season. Definitely been picking it up. Uh, the last couple of weeks and being more used more, which is obviously uh giving him uh more chances to shine. Yeah, I mean, have
0: the Saints really had a big receiver like that since Marcus? I feel like Marcus Colson was the last one. Like a six five receiver that you can I, I don't know well how tall was Marcus? I don't think he was six five, but he was tall. Like I don't know if they've had a guy like that on the outside that they could trust you know Brandon Coleman was a big dude. Yeah, Marcus was 6'4". So yeah, I think that's probably the last one. And a lot of people compared him to Marcus when he came in, and that's fair because Marcus also had a slow start to his first uh, training camp. Um, but like, I think that's kind of
1: what you're hoping for with him, right? Yeah, uh, a guy that I'm I'm praying we see more from down the stretch is Jamal Williams, just because yeah. I feel like there was a lot of expectations brought here as that short yardage guy. And man, let let's uncap the uh, the touchdown scoring and get him at least going right now. It's get it's just one. been a long,
0: hard season for him in black and gold. Yeah, let's get him at least one. That's I just wanna see that guy in the end zone. He's playing he's been playing better the last few weeks. I'll give him credit for that. Uh you know, uh, so hopefully I, I agree with you. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. Thanks again to Charlie Long for for helping out and we will be coming back on inside black and gold. We're gonna hear from March Slarith get some interesting insight on this matchup and what the Saints should be looking to do when they go out west and then we'll get into x-factors to close out the show as we always do again this is inside black and gold i'm jeff noak steve geller who that let's do it